amazing. I've loved the worship, loved the presence of God in this house. And, and uh, it's great to see so many people out on a Sunday night. And some of you have been in church pretty much all weekend. So God bless you. And, and I'm excited about what God wants to do in our lives. And um, just uh, one of the, er- the areas that uh, I, I um, flow in is the gift of prophecy. And um, I just love to encourage. And uh, prophecy is not a done deal. It's an invitation to become. It speaks to the potential of the gift and the calling that God has. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you. And God wants us to know them, amen, to, to walk in that place of agreement. And so I'd just like to pray for some people before I uh, share the word that God's put upon my heart. And um, thank you, Lord. You know, as we come to worship God tonight, worship him, um, you know, what, one of the things I love about this church and, you know, that the... the the, the unfeigned love of the brethren, that it's all about Jesus, amen? And sometimes we get caught up in our world and we think it's all about us, but it is all about Jesus. And for his pleasure, we were created. We were created to be in relationship with him. We were created, you know, I love, um, you know, I love, uh, you know, my children, my grandchildren and um, just that absolute delight. And, um, you know, when they were a little bit, well, I still do it actually, my eldest girl comes to knocks on the door and I say, oh, Peter, how are you? And I say, where are the girls? And she says, oh, mom, they couldn't make it. They, they, they've got other things to do. I mean, they're, they're 10, and, 10 and 8 or nine, 11 and 9 now. And I, and I make this big, oh, no, I really wanted to see them. And, and then all of a sudden they jump out and say, we're here, Nana. You know, we're here. <laughs> we're here. You see, God did a very dangerous thing when he put a free will in your life. But... There is no pleasure in a child that says, I love you, Nana. How are you? What have you got in the fridge? <laughs> you know, it's like, hello. <laughs> it's when they love you back. And I love it. They, they're around the ages of two and three and four. And I remember uh, little Mia, she would wriggle in, out of my arms and I would get her face and I'd say, Mia, Mia look, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> look at me. Nana loves you. I love you. And then the wonderful um, things that happen as, we, as there's a bonding of love. My fridge is covered with all sorts of crazy drawings that Jeff would love me to take off. <laughs> Squiggles and things that they've drawn for Nana. And it just is just such a joy, you see, and for his pleasure. The worship is all about him. Amen? And really, in the, in the, in the scheme of things, we're just a drop in the bucket. Can you imagine if you were... Uh, had a part in a movie when I was, um, it's a church I go to in Hawaii, um, and uh, uh, in the, it's, a, it's a lovely church there, and, and uh, you know, just a small church, and, and um, one of the girls there, Myrna, she's, um, well, she's, uh, she's uh, probably um, late 40s, 50s, she, she goes surfing every day, and she was telling me that she had a bit part in a Steven Seagal movie, <laughs> like, like, this was before she was a Christian as a go-go girl dancing on the bar in the back of a Steven Seagal movie. I thought, wow, I know someone famous, you know. <laughs> but it would be crazy for her to actually get that movie and say, I've got, uh, there's a blockbuster of a movie and it's all about me. Because <laughs> it's just a 30-second bit. And if, you, and if you blink, you'll miss it. You know, if you reach down to get your um, snacks, you'll miss it. And really, in the scheme of things, our life is like just but a vapor. And it's all about him. Amen? Yes, it's 
all about him. It's all about him. So I want to talk about the plan of salvation. I just want to speak for a short amount of time tonight. And, um, but I really believe that, that God wants to refresh um, that love, that uh, just, just um, you know, uh, re- revisit just in our hearts the preciousness of the story of salvation, the, the act of love that it is for each one of us. So I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. That's when Joshua was going in to take the land and he had, um, he's about to see Jericho, seen Jericho for the for second time in 40 years and she's, he's going in to take the land. So we pick it up in Joshua chapter 2. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two spies from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, the men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the men, two men and hid them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was shut when it was dark that the men went out. And I don't know where they went, so if you hurry quickly, you'll be able to maybe overtake them. But she brought the two men up to the roof and hid them with uh, straws of flax, which she had laid out in order. And the men went off and pursued by the road, of, uh, by the road to, to Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as they had uh, gone, they shut the gate. And so she came up to the roof where they were hidden and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you you when you went out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as we heard those things, our hearts melted. Neither did we remain any more having any courage because of, of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's household, um, to me and my mother and father, to my brothers and sisters. Give me a pledge of truth. Give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all they have and deliver our lives from the death. So the men answered and said, our lives are yours. But if you don't tell anyone... It shall be when the Lord has given us the land, we will deal kindly with you. And she let them down with a rope from the window and she dwelt because she lived on the wall. Her house was actually built into the wall. And she said, go to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there for three days and after that, after that you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath, of this pledge, um, of yours, which you have made with us, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord. See this scarlet cord, they said. Um, Tie it in the window through which we let you let us down. And, um, and uh, when we come into the land, we're going to see that scarlet cord. Bring in your mothers and brothers and sisters and father into the house, but you'll have a covering. And when we see that scarlet cord, you will have great protection for you and your house. But if you don't, then, um, then, then we're free of any, any covenant. And she said, according to your words, verse 31, so be it. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings life. 
Lord, I thank you for your great plan of salvation. In Jesus' name. So she tied the cord in the window. And I love this story because I love the fact that Jesus Christ did not just die for the smartest and the best. He came for the whosoevers, amen? He came for those that that have not only gone to the uttermost, but even the guttermost, amen? And here we see the two spies. I don't think it was by accident that they went to the home of a prostitute. And uh, I'm going to be next uh, next month in a, in a church in Darwin. And a, a lady and her husband who were part of the pastoral team at a church in Alice Springs. And went out there and we were doing a prophetic um, uh, uh, Saturday. And, and uh, so she and her husband have moved on to work in the church at Darwin there. They're past, on the pastoral team. Name's Charlotte Donnell. Great, bubbly, awesome lady. She's English. But she has written a book, From Prostitute to Princess. And God has just turned her life around. And I want you to know, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened in your life, God has got a plan for your life. And uh, it wasn't by accident that he sent the spies and they ended up at the door of Rahab the harlot. And um, Rahab's name is in the Hebrews 11 chapter with all the mighty warriors, with David and Joshua and Gideon and Rahab, who by faith, stepped out and she basically put her life on the line and she chose to, she said, um, your God is a deliverer. Your God's a mighty God. They, she's saying that everybody's been scared because we've heard about the stories of what God's been doing. But she is the only one that has decided to throw her lot in with God. Amen. She has made a decision. And I'm sure that she probably laid in bed at night thinking, I wonder if this God would accept me. And she's, she's, in, she's not there because she wants to be a wonderful lady of the night. She says, I need to look after my mother and father. I need to look after my brothers and sisters. And many times, uh, people, we don't know why they get involved in what they do. As little children growing up, you know, most kids will say, you know, in the, in the school ground, oh, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a pilot. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a, um, uh, you know, a, 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 um, help me here. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. A astronaut, an astronaut. Yeah. Oh, praise God. I don't think that any one of them said, oh, you know, I think I'd like to just have someone trash my life and end up, uh, you know, um, just uh, being found drunk and naked in a gutter. That happened to someone, rolled out of a car. Um, and uh, this person, actually, this girl I spoke to in New Zealand, she ended up getting a lot of tattoos upon her arms. And, and she said, you know, I've come to the Lord and he saved me. And, and I just feel, you know, I feel kind of like I've got all these tattoos. And basically it was like, hey, tell the truth and shame the devil. When you talk about the goodness of God, they're not going to see anything. And I'm not, I've got anything against tattoos, by the way. <laughs> um, but, but here is someone that uh, God rescued and, and he, he, no matter what life, no matter what life has thrown you, no matter what curveball has thrown you, where grace, where sin abounds, where, where weakness abounds, where problems abounds, grace does much more abound. And I know in my own life as a, as a young, young person coming from a family where there was a lot of chaos, a lot of drinking, a lot of, um, you know, problems that I found by the time I was 16, I'm smoking dope and and uh, 17 and 18, dropping mescaline and, and riding a motorbike and, and uh, pregnant. And uh, at 18, having an abortion. 19, pregnant again. And uh, 
through the Catholic Agency of Unmarried Mothers, for unmarried mothers, finding a living job in Ipswich because of the shame for my family. It was so, so much a shame in a Catholic community where um, everybody knew our family. And, and uh, so I remember joining this family, going up to this family, and I, I was saying it was an interesting day when I arrived, um, having not met this family before, riding my motorbike, four months pregnant, with my black stack hat, with my mascara running down my face because of riding in the wind, etc. Hi, I've come to look after the kids. <laughs> um, but as I, as I was there with that family, and I was a very, very scattered person, I'd hitchhike at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a wonder I'm not buried somewhere by the side of the road. And yet here I was, pregnant. And You know, sometimes people don't, don't plan to end up where they are. And here I am with this family that has actually got their own problems. There's a lot of in-house fighting, five kids, and me lying in bed at night, eating Jaffas every night, <laughs> getting bigger and bigger and bigger, <laughs> but wondering where I was going to end up. For the first time in my life, it's not just the next party I'm going to. I'm not just got some, some you know, everybody thinks the elasticity of youth is I'm going to marry the ideal person. My life's going to have a wonderful ending. But I want you to know this, unless Jesus Christ intervenes in your life and mine, unless there's an intervention and Jesus Christ comes into your life, there's a predictable cycle and a plan that the enemy has for your life. And I saw that begin to unfold in my life. I saw my brother who had, who had um, you know, um, started to follow in my dad's footsteps and coming home drunk. And, uh, you know, I saw my brothers and I used to get stoned together. I saw this starting to overtake. I saw my uh, second, uh, my younger sister um, facing um, relationship problems and, and then taking overdoses to try and uh, numb the pain. And uh, the, I remember the last time we were called to the Nambour Hospital, she's on life support, having taken an overdose. And by this time, I am a Christian. And uh, as I was there, we were around her bed, and the doctor said, we're not sure if we can save her. And I prayed, and I said, Jesus, show me how to pray. And he showed me a picture of a white coffin with flowers on it. He said, break the fantasy that this is a good way out. Pray and break the fantasy that this is a good way out. And thank God God saved her and, uh, and her life turned around. But there are many people that are in situations where they didn't, they didn't plan to end up where they are. When I was in Serbia, I was talking to a, uh, a wonderful young woman called Svetlana and, uh, and she was sharing a bit of her life story. And she actually had been um, raised in a family, a very communist family in Serbia. And, uh, but she used to actually ask her dad, you know, is there a God? And he would say, you know, no, there's no God. And, and she had a, a, a quite a, a good upbringing until she actually started to realize that, that her father and mother, there was a lot of problems. And she walked in one day on her father uh, beating her mother up and it just shattered her, her heart. And, and she, she, she started to harden her heart against her dad. And, and uh, she was, a, you know, a quite a, you know, she hadn't been rebellious, but this rebellion came into her heart. This hardness came into her heart and she began to hang out with, with other friends and she joined a, uh, sorry, she, her boyfriend was a, a rock singer, Sasha, with his own band and so she, she joined uh, their party. She began to take, she began to, you know, experiment with drugs and a guy came around one day with heroin and said, just try this, you know, just try it once. And she was one of those people that she just took it once and she was hooked. And she said from that day forward, her and Sasha 
just uh, they just lived for the next fix, and they just uh, they just was just their whole life until she was almost skin and bone. And she said this this day it just got too much. She's recounting the story to me, and she said this day I'd saved up all the drugs I could, all the all the heroin I could, and I took took I was I decided that I would take my own life because I couldn't stand living this way anymore. And she took it down to the to the um, the river Danube there where it is and and um, and there there uh, she she had these drugs and she said I felt peace in a sense that for the first time that the um, yeah tell them we're, we're not home actually <laughs> I'm <only> joking <laughs> and she said for the first time I felt a strange peace because I knew my suffering was going to be over soon and she said I um, and but I began to look at the sky and I began to say God if you're real. Why did you let this happen? And, and all this began to spill out and all this suffering. And, and she just began to, as it were, rail and, and, and just vent and just pour out. Just, and just why? And, and you weren't there and you didn't help. And, and, and she said she just was for about a couple of hours just sobbing. And, and then she just, uh, like just was just exhausted and, and everything went quiet. And she heard these words in her heart very, very powerfully. When did you ever ask me for help? She got such a shock. She wasn't expecting that. It stunned her. And she said, well, if, if you're real, if that voice is real, she said, you've got two weeks. I'll give you two weeks and I'm coming back here. So she went home, took those drugs back with her. And uh, 13 days later, a friend of the band came walking up the stairs with a whopping great Bible under his arm. And he said, I found Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. Hallelujah. And her life totally turned around. Svetlana and Sasha are married now. They've got four children. And they run the Teen Challenge uh, program over there uh, for Serbia and, and, uh, and Bosnia and, and, and Sarajevo, all that area. But, you know, you, people don't plan to end up where they are. And I remember lying in that bed just wondering, what's going to become of me? What's going to become of my child? Where are we going to end up? And, and I thank God really that I got to a place where God got my attention. Because when I was having a happy clappy, when I was, having, when I was partying, when I was pretending, you know, thinking my prince will come, some, some wonderful person, is, I'm going to have this amazing. But I want you to know, and as Jesus Christ intervenes in your life, there's a predictable cycle. There's a predictable cycle. Life without Christ has a predictable cycle. As my brother began to get drunk and as my sister began to be drawn into one destructive relationship after another, and, I, and this cycle began to happen. And I thank God that and after a period of time, you know, I had my little girl and, and, um, and uh, it was about... Uh, two years later, and I'd got back into hanging out with the same old crowd. My daughter's first birthday party was a was everybody being stoned. I f I wonder where she would have ended up. I wonder where she would have ended up, because I was not only going to trash my life now; I'm about to trash her life. I want you to know. How are your children going to follow you? Where are you going to lead them to? Because I was really going to trash her life. And who knows who would have been hanging around her life over time. 
And I thank God for the person that shared, stop me and my girlfriend. We were off to the spiritualist church. We had all sorts of, um, uh, you know, desires to, to we, we, we had a Ouija board. We were, you see, there is, a, there is a, a, a God-shaped vacuum in your heart and mind. And you can try drugs, drinking, sex, relationships, but nothing else will fill it. And there was a spiritual hunger. And I was being drawn to the, to the wrong spiritual dimension. And someone told me about Jesus. Someone told me that Jesus was real. That not religion, but Jesus. And that if I asked him into my life, he had a plan for my life and my daughter's life. That he would give me a brand new start. And I thank God that I'd had a good enough dose of the world. That I'd had my heart broken enough that there was nothing back there that I wanted. And I thank God for the day when I knelt by my little girl's bed and I said, Lord, thank you. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you my life. Lord, help me raise this child so she has a chance in life. So she has a chance in life. Amen. And Rahab was someone that I identify with. As she laid in bed at night, she wasn't there because she was, uh, you know, some, some, as I said, some lady of the night. She has for supporting her family. Many of the girls that are taken into prostitution in Thailand, it's to support their families. They have a lot of people that meet the planes. Unfortunately, some of the biggest um, abusers come from Australia. The planes come in. But they have people that meet the planes with flyers that say, when you go into those places in the nightclubs where the girls are smiling, scantily clad, and they're all over you. And they, and you, they, they just, they're treating you like the greatest hot stuff that's ever walked in. They have pimps that will bash them if they don't do that. They have pimps that will um, hurt them badly. And you need to know that by going to those places, you're supporting that incredibly bad cycle of damage that's happening to them. Amen? Most of those girls would jump at the chance to get out. Most of those girls would jump at the chance to get out. And here this, this young woman and these guys, she decides, you're from the Lord God. I, I know he's God. And I want you to know, she said, I'm coming. I want you to know that, that if your God will look after me, if you'll make a covenant with me then, and promise, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to hide you. I'm not going to tell them about you. But will you give me a promise that your God will look after me? And so he said, tie this red, this red scarlet cord. Now, you've got to pretend that this is red. I'm now going to hypnotize you and tell you it's red. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he said, tie this in the window. And so she did. And I want you to know that Christianity is like that cord in the window. And she could have had neighbors that came up to her and said, why, you've just done your home, the front of your home out in Tuscany, autumn colors, and that just really clashes. <laughs> that just looks so dorky. You know, that looks, <laughs> what are you doing with that red thing in your window? It's just ruining the whole appearance. You know, when people really get salvation, it doesn't matter who mocks you. No, it doesn't matter who, who makes fun of you because you know, hallelujah, that your family, your future, that one day you're going to step into glory and you're going to have a covenant God yeah, come on. Who, who knows your name, yeah. who, who, who has come into covenant with you. Yeah. You know, when you, when, if you were in a plane and it was starting to go down, 
you know, and they came along and they said, put these, put these um, parachutes on, clip it on, because you're going to need it. You know, what, what would you think of someone that said, well, it's really uncomfortable. It clashes with my outfit. <laughs> what if the, and what if the air hostess goes by and, and it's so bulky, it bumps and there's tea spilt on you? Would you get offended? Take it off. Oh, this ridiculous parachute. No, you'd hang on to it. Because if you, as you're feeling the plane shaking, that's all that's going to save you. Amen? And I want you to know that, that God has given freely his salvation, but it's a choice. It's a decision. And I thank God that I had had enough of a gut full of the world. But I said, Jesus, oh, the cross before me, the world behind me. If you accept me, if you take my life, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Just like this precious woman. You know, the Bible says, and let's just read that, Joshua chapter 6. It says there, as the spies, as they marched around the walls, and they're getting ready to go in, and, uh, and um, Joshua is there, and they've marched around the wall, verse 16 of Joshua chapter 6, and it says, the seventh time they blew the trumpet, Joshua shouted, he said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And so they were getting ready, and then he says, all the city shall be destroyed except Rahab the harlot shall live and all that are with her in the house. And he goes on to say, as the people shouted, verse 20, the walls came down and just before that, it had been 40 years he'd been waiting to take Jericho and yet he says, wait, 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 there's a covenant woman in there and you go in and get Rahab. Go in and get her family because she's got a covenant. The, the, he'd waited 40 years. He says, hold on, we cannot go any further until the covenant promise to Rahab has been honoured. And he goes in, he brings out Rahab, her mother, her father, her brothers and sisters, and the city is, uh, is destroyed and they take the spoil and they go on to take their promised land. But do you know what? It doesn't end there. It'd be great even if it did end there. But God had us plan for Rahab's life. And one of the two spies was a guy called Salmon. And he was a prince of Judah. And he was a leader he didn't see a prostitute. He saw a princess. He saw her heart and he saw a courageous woman. This, uh, this whole weekend, is, she is courageous. The church is a courageous woman. Men and women of courage. He saw who she really was. And the Bible says that Salmon married her and she had a child. And that child was called Boaz. And Boaz was the mother was uh, well, the one who recognized Ruth the Moabitess for the woman she really was. And he went on, they went on to have a child and became the uh, lineage of David. Rahab's lineage, she became part of Christ's lineage in the earth. She became part of God's move in the earth. She went on and God provided a great plan for her life. I want you to know that he redeems, that's God's job description. He's a redeemer. And he redeems lives. You see, in the beginning in the garden, when God created humanity for relationship, but he gave them a free will. There were two trees in the garden. And Satan, who had already had that uprising in heaven, said, I will ascend. I want the worship. And uh, he was cast into the earth. And the, uh, the prophecy was, you'll crawl on your belly like a snake. And here he comes into the garden and he says, right back in the beginning, uh, wouldn't you like your eyes opened? 
Wouldn't you like your eyes open? Would you like to taste this? Would you like to try that? Would you like to be your own little God? Make your own decisions. Live your own life. You don't want God telling you what to do. You can be your own God. He knows that your eyes will be opened. And there humanity fell because one person decided to, to take the lie. And humanity got unplugged from spiritual knowledge, revelation, and was plunged into darkness, living by sense knowledge only, living by their own wits, living by their own, you know, ability to make a living. Until Jesus Christ came and rebooted humanity, brought us back, plugged us back into the Father. Spiritual knowledge is far, far superior to head knowledge. Amen. And tonight, God wanted to come again to say, I'm your redeemer. I'm the one who redeemed your soul from the pit. I'm the one who rescued your life. And I'm the one who has a plan for your life, not just for salvation. Hallelujah. And I would, if you'd have said back then to me as a, as a um, what I used to call a bogan from Redcliffe, <laughs> that God would so fill my life with so much blessing that that person that used to hitchhike at 2 o'clock in the morning, that a poverty mentality, a, a low self-esteem, a worthlessness about my life. My life wasn't worth much. That's why I'd risk it. Hitchhiking at two in the morning wasn't worth much. It would turn my life around and bless me with an amazing life, with amazing children, amazing grandchildren. That I'd travel that I'd go to places like, uh, you know, uh, Europe and, and Hawaii and South Africa and, and the islands. And, and I've often said, you know, God, I particularly dropped flying back from Hawaii because that church flies me over twice a year. And I remember a little while ago, I was flying back one or two times previous. And I said, Lord, I don't think I can go back there again. Because I've got to be honest, I'm going there for me now. <laughs> I like the shopping. <laughs> I'm going there for me. And I distinctly heard him say, I, that's why I take you there. And he said, remember? Took me, flashed through my memory all the years of growing up. We never had a, fan, a holiday. And I remember saying to my kids, because of, um, uh, I shared my testimony yesterday, but just uh, um, out of brokenness, I, I, I made a, a very hasty decision and, and married someone who was quite, quite damaging. And several years later, going through another time as being a single mother. So there was a time when God was with me, but we couldn't afford a, a holiday. And I remember saying to my kids, I'm so sorry that you never got a holiday in all the time you were growing up. And they're lovely. They say, Mom, we're, we, don't, we, we, we remember all the good times at home. And they can afford to go on holidays now wherever they want to go. And my kids have been over to New York and, and different places and but the Lord spoke to me and he said, do you remember all those years you never had a holiday? Well, this is recompense. This is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. So just enjoy it. So I'll be off again in October. <laughs> I go to Serbia and Fiji, but I do enjoy going to Hawaii. I want you to know that God's got an amazing plan for your life. Not only for salvation, but the people around you, you never know what they're going through. You never know where their heart's at. And there could be a Rahab. When I sit beside someone in a plane now, I think that could be another failing. And even though it's not easy to break the ice 
and I just give an opportunity. I share for about five or ten minutes and then I totally ignore them so they don't get afraid that I'm going to Bible bash them. But there's been so many times when there's been a conversation and an opportunity to really share about Jesus. And uh, I think I wish someone had done that for me earlier. Right now, could we just stand? I really appreciate you allowing me to share. And I want you to know we never, ever should lose sight of the fact that God so loved the world. That he, he died for you and I to have a relationship. And I believe that, I thank God that I had been broken in sense. I had been, I'd had enough of what the world had to offer. That I wasn't bound by good old Aussie cynicism. She'll be right, mate. I'm sure something good's going to turn up. I really don't want to get bound by religion. I just want to do my own thing. And thank God that I didn't listen to that lie. Because I've met people just like Jonah who ran from God that have been en route their third and fourth whale. <laughs> it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> Getting swallowed up and swallowed up. And I'm thinking, one day you're going to get it. <laughs> I've met women that have been 20 years old that have looked 40 because of the ravages of sin, bad relationships, all those things. But I want you to know, Jesus Christ has an amazing plan for your life. He has got an amazing future. And if he can take a prostitute, marry her to a prince, and put her in the lineage of Christ, what he does for one, he'll do for anyone. Amen? What he does for one, he'll do for anyone. I remember hearing this story of a man who had actually um, been in a, in, a, in a place where a, 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 an orphanage had caught on fire. And as they rescued the kids, there was one little boy that they couldn't. He went in, he rushed in, and he, 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 he got the boy out. He got the boy, and he got quite burnt in doing so. And what happened was, over, over time, he decided he would like to adopt that little boy. And when he went to, even though it was a Christian orphanage, and he wasn't a Christian, when he went to the court to apply for custody, um, he actually showed them his scars. And he said, uh, and so they said, he, seemed, he, he presented as a good man. And although he's not a Christian, we're going to let him adopt this little boy. And sometime later, they were in an art gallery. And in the art gallery, there was a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. And the little boy said, Daddy, tell me the story of this man. And he said, oh, I don't believe that. And he said, well, you tell me the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. And I know you don't believe that. We'd like to hear it. <laughs> and so he, he, he told the story of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for the sins of the world. And the little boy said, Daddy, it's not fair that people don't believe what the good man did for them. How would you feel if, if someone said to if I said to you, I don't believe those scars I don't believe you rescued me. I don't believe you love me. And how sad it is for that good man that people don't believe what he did. And tonight, that good man died on a cross. But he gave you a free will. And the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave the power to become a son or daughter of God. And tonight, I want to give opportunity. If you're here tonight and you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about it. This prayer does not bind you to this church. It doesn't bind you to, to, to me or to anybody or to whatever. It's just between you and God. That Jesus Christ hung on a cross naked. 
And he went to the uttermost. He went 99 steps and all he asks is for you to take one step. But we take that step. And so right now, as I look across, I'm only going to ask once, if you would like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart, if you were to die tonight and you're not sure where you would go. As I said, I was in Christchurch looking at those 170 white chairs painted in the, as a memorial of all those that died in the earthquake that went to work that morning and never came home. Some of the stories were so graphic they couldn't put them in the news. One woman walked out of a shop and the ground opened up and swallowed her up. It was horrific. We live in an uncertain world tonight. If you would like to ask Jesus Christ into your life, I'm just going to look across once, if that's you. If you would like to give your life back to Jesus Christ, slip up your hand right now. I don't want to miss out on anybody. And what we're going to do, nobody's raised their hand, but you might be a bit shy tonight. So we're going to say a prayer together out loud. And I want us all to pray this prayer. Even though we're all Christians, I would like you to pray this prayer just as a fresh surrender. Dear Lord Jesus, I open up the door of my life and I ask you to come in to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive you now. And thank you, God, that I'm born again. I'm a new person. And thank you, God, that you love me and I love you. And I belong to you and you belong to me. So in my heart, I tie that scarlet cord and I identify with you as my covenant-keeping God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Give someone a high five. Give Jesus a high five. (laughs) You can be seated. I just feel tonight, you know, as I was preaching about family, God is going to bring families into salvation. And so I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I want you to agree with me. Because uh, sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, God says it's a lamb for a household. A lamb for a household. So, Father, we just lift up our homes, our brothers and sisters, our fathers and mothers, our grandparents, our children, our children's children. Lord, I thank you that you're able to save. Lord, I thank you. You said it's a lamb for a household. Lord, we pray for salvation for every family here, every, every um, relative here. Lord, we pray for that, that aunt that's been away from home. There's someone, you've got, you've got a relative called Irene. Hallelujah. God's hand is upon that one. There's someone else called Brian. God's touching someone called Brian. Father, we just thank you that it's a lamb for a household tonight. Thank you. Thank you. We, we pray for Sylvia. Lord Jesus, thank you for your hand of grace coming upon Sylvia tonight. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for households to be invaded with salvation, invaded with salvation. Lord, as you took my brother that was drinking every night and now he's the Baptist pastor at Coffs Harbour. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, restored, glory in God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you redeem our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. Can we just stand right now? Could I have the band come? And and, um, I'm not going to keep you much longer. There are some people here, and it's like, God, I thank you for salvation, but Lord, I want to come into the next stage and phase of the plan you've got for me. See, God's got amazing plans for your life and mine. 
And God does it step by step, step by step. And he brings us into those plans. And that, and that he has, he's tailor-made that plan for your life. He's tailor-made that plan. But I want us to realize that we come into agreement and everything we come into by faith. So we're we just going to worship God, just sing, yeah. Let's love him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.